Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today, on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on dialing in an overdrive pedal. Before we get started with today's therapy session, I just wanted to give a huge thank you to the people who have been listening to this podcast over the last couple of months. I am currently being listened to in six different countries. Of course, I'm in the United States where I am right now, but also the United Kingdom, Ireland, Austria, Germany, and Sweden. The success of this show is largely due to the feedback I receive and the word of mouth that you do. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening to the Tweed Couch. Now on with our session. I grew up listening to my brother playing a 1991 Sunburst Fender American Stratocaster guitar. I remember hearing him play Texas blues riffs and learning off of cassettes and CDs. It was rewind, listen, play, and then rewind, listen, play some more. This was before the internet. This is when you learned by either buying the tablature book or listening to the song and figuring it out by ear. To be honest, he played amazing, but only sounded okay. But then one day, he came home from the Dallas Guitar Show with a silver pedal in the shape of home plate. It was a visual sound Jekyll and Hyde. This was basically an Ibanez tube screamer circuit on one side and then a much hairier distortion on the other. He already played an Ibanez TS9 and a TS10 tube screamer, but when he paired it with this, oh, I was amazed at how it transformed his sound from okay to dynamic. That is when my love affair with overdrives started. But which one should I choose? How should I use it? Where do I put it in the chain? Can I use more than one at a time? And is it dependent on the guitar? Well, we will discuss this and more on this episode of The Tweed Couch. I've had all the drive pedals over the years and all the flavors of the month until about 2005. That's when I began to realize that there's really no new circuits being created out there at the time. Really, everything was just a modification or a take on something that had already been made. I mean, Full Tone was making the OCD, Maxon, the 808, Voodoo Labs, they were making the Sparkle Drive, Wampler had the Clarksdale, Paul Cochran had the Timmy, and the list goes on, but really, those were all just modified tube screamers. Of course, there was the Vox Saturator, get it? So it's a Satriani thing, like Vox made something for Satriani, but the Vox Saturator and the Ibanez Gemini Those are Boss DS1 clones. Actually, you can see this still going on today with Klon clones, like the Mosley Golden Horse and the the Kaline Pegasus, the Joyo Taran, the Shelly Ponyboy, and as mentioned before, the Electroharmonic Soul Food and the Wampler Tumnus. Actually, if you've heard of the brand Keeley, they got their start as a pedal modifier. I had the TS9 modded Tube Screamer, and it was excellent. So in the spirit of tone, education, and modification, I decided in 2005 it was time to take modifying pedals into my own hands, and I purchased a Build Your Own Clone pedal kit. It was fascinating. 
populating the circuit board, soldering, running connections to jacks and pots, painting the box, labeling the knobs, drilling holes for the mods. It was a lot of fun modifying and playing with the tone. I made a big muff, a vibrato, a few tube screamers, a few delays, a phaser, a clon, and actually, one of my first pedals I made was a Mighty Mouse pedal, which is really just a, a rat clone. I added a switch to give this vintage or turbo rat specification. I also had the overdrive, stock, and clean boost mod too. My brother hand painted it and I named it the Burninator. Now some of you may get that reference of where that came from, but for those of you that don't, in the early 2000s, a website called homestarrunner.com had a bit called Strong Bad Emails. Now to fully understand who Strong Bad really was, is he was a cartoon, it was an HTML, not a flash site type of website, and he was dressed like a Mexican wrestler. He had the Mexican wrestling mask, he had the gloves, all that type of stuff, and he answered emails. And one of the things that he did was he made this cartoon dragon named Trogdor. And what Trogdor was known for was burninating the countryside. So I thought it was funny. My friends, they absolutely loved it. And so the name of the pedal ended up sticking when I called it the Burninator. But anyway, back to dialing in an overdrive pedal. Of course, overdrives are really evolved now. Pedal manufacturers aren't just remaking modified pedals, but instead, they're getting really good at designing new stuff and adding more parameters, control, and connectivity by way of Bluetooth, computer software, and MIDI. These aren't just modified circuits like I used to play with. These are computers and networks. This might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I believe that there is more tech in a Jackson Audio Golden Boy than there was in the Apollo Moon Rockets. But even with all this tech, the more I get back into the drive pedal game, the more I see that the principles that held true to dialing in the overdrives of your father hold true to dialing in the overdrive tones of now. With all that said, let's talk about dialing in an overdrive. And what we need to start with is what do the knobs usually do? Now there are some pedals like the Friedman BEOD Deluxe that has like 10 knobs. Although some overdrives are seen with multiple knobs, for simplicity's sake, we will refer to the knobs that quality overdrive pedals have used for nearly 60 years. Gain, tone, and volume. But what does each of these knobs do? Let's start with the order of how an overdrive circuit usually works. When you hit the strings, the guitar signal goes through the cable and into the input jack of the pedal. In most overdrive pedals, the first stage of the circuit is gain. When most people think of gain, they think of dirtiness, but I'd like you to change your thought process on what gain is for the sake of dialing in tone. I consider gain as the texture of a pedal. Are you looking for a pushed amp sound at low volumes? Are you looking for aggressiveness? Are you looking to compress the sound? Maybe you just want things to growl. Well then, the textures that gain can give you could possibly be your friend. First, 
in order to understand gain, you need to quickly understand what does it do to your signal. Gain causes clipping. Well, what is clipping? Well, clipping is a term used to describe the cutting off of the tops of a waveform. Imagine a sine wave. Well, a sine wave is kind of like a regular wave. It just goes up and down very symmetrically. Above in the positive, down into the negative, and it just is gonna move like the ocean. Now imagine that you have scissors that cut off the peaks and the valleys of that wave. Essentially, the gain stage of an overdrive is taking the input signal of your guitar and it's going to boost that signal as it goes into the circuit of the pedal. This clipping or overdriving of the signal gives your guitar a sound, a new texture that you didn't have before. Now there are different types of clipping and it's probably important to talk about it now because it directly affects the gain stage. These types of clipping are called symmetrical and asymmetrical. Now this may sound difficult to understand, but it's actually pretty simple. Generally speaking, symmetrical is considered to be a more vintage sound, whereas asymmetrical is considered to be more modern sound. Symmetrical means that the energy to amplify the signal and causes clipping or overdrive is coming from the positive and the negative of the power coming from your wall or battery or whatever power source. Asymmetrical is designed to clip or overdrive from energy taking its voltage unevenly from the positive or the negative of your power source. This usually gives a more natural tube-like feel to the distortion. A Boss DS1 and a Blues Driver is asymmetrical, where the Tube Screamer is more symmetrical. To me, this seems counterintuitive because the term tube in Tube Screamer is there. But yet, it's saying that it's symmetrical, so it's clipping more like a modern sound and not tube-like. Honestly, the SD1 from Boss and the Tube Screamer from Ibanez are really similar circuits. And with a little bit of tweaking, you will find the asymmetrical versus symmetrical clipping is like splitting hairs and doesn't really mean much. The big changes happen when you start to really mess with the volume and the gain knob together at the same time. Another thing worth going into before we start tweaking this parameter is the component that is causing the symmetrical or asymmetrical clipping. Here is the more popular components that people use in the circuit. Silicone diode clipping is usually considered focused, compressed, and tight. Germanium diode clipping usually is considered compressed, but squishy. MOSFET style clipping, well that's generally louder and it growls more. Many describe it as more dynamic and tube-like, but the term I prefer to say is that it's more textured and hairy. This is why a lot of fuzz pedals use MOSFET style transistor clipping. One of my favorites to use is LED clipping. It's crunchy, pushed, less compressed, and really sparkly. And to me, it's more open sounding. Interesting fact, the color of the LED will shape all of the characteristics I mentioned before. I like yellow the best. My final one to mention is op amp clipping 
which can mean really anything because it depends on the routing of the circuit into this IC chip. I'm not going to go into all the different types of pedals and what they use as components simply because there are just too many. Actually, many overdrive pedals allow you to switch between these types of clippings and all the different types of components. If you have no idea which you prefer and you want to play around with it, well, the MI Audio Super Blues Pro uses silicone, MOSFET, and no clipping options just by a switch. The Full Tone Full Drive 2 will switch from clipping and combine clipping to make a unique overdrive tone. The Walrus Audio Ages has LED and silicone diodes that are at the flick of a switch. Of course, you can always get a multi-effects, which we've talked about before, but really the best thing to do is use your ears and play with different overdrives. Sometimes you will find a pedal that you like that has like MOSFET type of clipping, and then you'll find another one that has MOSFET and you don't like it. This is partly due to it not being the only factor of an overdrive. Clipping is just one thing. So after the signal has gone through the gain stage, the next area that it goes to is generally the tone stack. Well, how do you affect the tone stack? You see, the next knob that we're going to talk about is usually called tone or filter knob. Some of you may think, tone? Well, don't I want more tone? I mean, I want my tone to be 100%. Shouldn't you just turn that knob all the way up? Well, no. No, it should not just go all the way up. Now, some manufacturers choose to make it an overall sweep of the mids and treble. Some use it to cut highs or cut bass. Some call it a pass, as in the bass and the treble will pass through depending on where you're going. And some use it to add or cut the frequency. Some have two to four knobs that will add bass, middle, treble, and presence. Anyway, all of this to say, what the tone knob does generally is changes the EQ or the shape of the frequencies of the signal. And there are different times you will want different EQ frequencies. But we will discuss that in a little bit. It's important to note that each manufacturer has tailored their tone knob to react specifically to that pedal. And very few are really the same. So make sure you really play with the tone knob of the pedal and don't be afraid of where you have it set. You really have to check all the parameters and use your ears and do your research. Finally, after the signal has gone through the gain stage and the tone stack, the next place is the volume stage. The purpose of this stage is to take the process signal with the right texture and the EQ and then bring it up to a desired level. The knob you see on this pedal face is usually appropriately labeled volume and sometimes level. I like to think of the volume knob as more like a level knob. Unless I'm trying to boost a solo, I don't like it when I click on an overdrive and there's a big jump in volume. Also, unless I plan to leave the pedal on all the time, I don't like it when an overdrive drops the volume. The reason why I even mention the idea of dropping the volume is it could work as kind of like a master volume or an attenuator, which is really not a bad idea. This knob will allow you to level the volume of the process signal as it leaves the pedal so long as the pedal is engaged, which means it's turned on. Another way to put it is this is the way you maintain the decibels between the engaged 
and disengaged times. Okay, quick story on why it's important that you know what these knobs do. One time, I was hired to play at a church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. The sound tech was a pretty dry fella, and he came up to me before playing and asked if I used any of my quote-unquote dirty pedals. I told him that it depended on the song and what the song needed and the layer that needed to fit within it. Then I asked, why? He said it was because of the volume increase that happens every time a guitar player turns one of them on. And so he wanted to know when to turn me down. Well, I laughed, and he didn't, and I said, well, that won't be a problem with me. I match all my levels unless I'm doing a solo. He looked at me with the most unimpressed face and said, well, that's fine then. You're not going to let me know? Then I'll just never turn you up. Well, I was stunned. I said, seriously, though, let me set up my gear, then you set the levels on the soundboard, and after we start playing as a band, you tell me if there's a volume jump and I'll fix it on my end. I then had to reiterate, you have to wait for the band to be playing, because that, that's when it really matters. And then we will talk after a couple of songs. Well, after two songs, I went back to the sound tech and asked, how do the levels sound? Is everything nice and even? He looked at me with the same unimpressed face and said, Well, I don't know what you're doing, and I don't know what kind of pedals you have, but that is the most even sound I have ever heard. I said, Thank you. And then said, You know, the next time you have a guitar player in here, you should inform him that there's this knob on these quote-unquote dirty pedals called a volume and tell him that you need to use that in order to balance stuff out, and you won't have that problem anymore. I laughed. He didn't. And I went on with the sound check. Funniest part for me was that I came back to that church again about six to eight months later, and that same sound tech came up to me with the same unimpressed face and said to me while I was loading in, do you use any of those dirty pedals? And then I said, Yes. Then he said, well, make sure you use that volume knob on those things so that the sound won't be all messed up or else I'll turn you down in the PA. I I realized he didn't remember me and I said, yes, sir. And you let me know if they aren't so I can fix it on my end. And he said, oh, I will. And then walked off. Ah, good times. Good story. But I share that story for a reason. And the reason is this. It is obvious that that sound tech had a bad experience at one time with a guitar player who just didn't know how to level his gear very well. And so for that reason, that's the reason why we're talking about dialing in an overdrive. So now that you know a few parts, some general concepts, some terminology of an overdrive pedal, it's almost time for you to now set one up. But there's really one more thing that you have to do first. Get a foundation. Meaning, what is the bass tone for which you are using this overdrive? I guess you could just use the overdrive as is, plug it straight into a sound system with a direct box, but generally speaking, that is not the design and you should probably be plugging that overdrive into like some sort of an amplifier. So how do you set up the amplifier? Well, let's go into three general configurations. Configuration 1, 
clean, pristine, the purest amplification that you can think of. This type of foundation is usually for the type of player that needs glass-like transparent tone. Like think jazz or think a Mesa Boogie Lone Star amp on that channel one. Think solid state amplifier like a jazz chorus. Running an overdrive pedal into this style of a clean, pristine foundation is going to be set up quite different than my second type of foundation, which is a pushed amplifier. A pushed amplifier has a little bit of tube saturation and distortion in the signal. Think of a vintage Fender amplifier without a master volume. Turn it up to four, five, and you have a pushed amplifier. Think of something with a master volume, like a Vox AC30 or an AC15 or possibly like a Marshall 2204. These are amplifiers that have a preamp volume, something to saturate the preamp tubes, but then also has a master volume, which gives you more of that overall output from the power amp tubes. Turning that preamp up and that master volume down is going to give you that pushed sound. Think blues tone. Think classic rock. Think creamy distortion. Obviously, this would require a different setup for an overdrive than, say, a clean foundation. And this should make sense because you have a signal that is already being clipped, overdriven. That's what's giving this pushed tone. You take the signal, you're essentially taking that wave and you're clipping off the peaks and you're cutting off the valleys and you're changing the signal just at the amplifier. So adding an overdrive is taking something that already has a clipped signal and running it into something that's going to clip that signal some more or differently. But these aren't the only two ways in which a foundation can be made. We've talked about clean, we've talked about pushed, but what about dirty, thick, chunky, growling from the bowels of your amplifier's tone? Well, this type of overdrive will really be different in this case. I mean, at some point, there's nowhere left to go with gain. So setting this up is probably going to be something that really tries to shape where the EQ goes and maybe add some clipping to it as well. The fact is, is that there is such a thing as too much overdrive. Remember, our goal is to stay musical. Our goal is to find our layer. Our goal is to be able to add something to the texture of the song. I find a lot of times when people are playing and they're having a hard time finding their spot in a band or in the mix or finding their layer, all they really need to do is just turn down the gain. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. So now that we've described overdrive parts and we've described the types of foundations, we can finally discuss how to dial in an overdrive. But a common misconception and a view of overdrives is that they are used to add gain or distortion to a signal. But that is actually completely inaccurate. 
The main reason for putting an overdrive into your tone is to add texture or to make your layer stand out of a mix. This brings me to my first way of dialing in an overdrive, and I call this always on. Some people use an overdrive as an always on pedal. Most overdrives have a mid frequency boost that increases and sometimes cuts that 750 to 1.5k hertz frequency range, which is really where the guitar likes to sit. It's kind of its magic area. It helps it cut through a mix. I mean, people rave about the Klon. Some call it the always on pedal. Well, why? Well, there is two reasons in my opinion. One reason is because the gain stage of the pedal works in a loop. What I mean by that is that it actually adds a clipping distortion and it also adds the original signal back in. So as the signal goes into the pedal, part of the signal skips over the gain stage and the other part goes through the clipping gain stage, which means the pedal seems very transparent sounding. Now I would like to say that when we're talking about transparent overdrives, people often say the Klon so transparent, the Tube Screamer so transparent. I actually argue that they are not transparent. What they are is they're enhancing the sound the way that they need to be enhanced, the way you think it should be, because they're finding ways to get that signal back in of the original tone, but they are changing the EQ. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't use it. But the second reason is what I'm really talking about in this scenario. A Klon adds about one kilohertz of frequency bump, and it pulls the guitar up and out in a mix. The Tube Screamer also does this in a mid-frequency bump, which is why the Tube Screamer is one of the most copied and modified circuits of all time. An always-on pedal can take an amp that sounds good in its own right and turn it into a wowing tone monster. If you have a solid state amp that you wish sounded more like a tube amp or a tube amp that sounds good but wished it had a little different flavor, well then using an overdrive as an always on could be your solution. This could be your solution if you have an amp that is already driven but you need something to shape the texture of the gain and give it a different feel. Something that is an American sound and you want it to be more British. Well, they have pedals that will help that Fender sound more Voxy. They have things that make that Vox sound more Marshall-y. They have pedals that makes your Marshall clean sound like the Marshall dirty. Of course, all overdrives have their own character, but when dialing in this type of always-on tone, you should first listen to the foundation and assess what texture you desire. I like to set all the knobs straight up at noon. And by noon, I mean if you are looking at the face of a clock, noon is pointing straight up. So the knobs on your pedal should all be straight up at 12 o'clock. And then from there, I engage the pedal and turn it on. The first thing that I do is I try to match the overall tone that was there before. So the first knob that I touch is usually the volume knob because I need to level things out. If I had a volume drop, then I raise the volume up. If I had a volume that 
went too loud? Well, then I turn it down. I'm trying to match the decibels. It's worth mentioning that if you're planning to always leave this pedal on, then you may want to crank the amp and use the pedal to attenuate. I mentioned that before. So this works especially well if you have a tube amp that really compresses in the power tubes. By increasing the volume, it'll increase the power and increase the compression, and that adds a nice flavor for the amp itself. Only downside is, if you turn off the pedal, it now will be incredibly loud, and people are going to yell. Okay, so once that is achieved, and I've got that volume perfectly put in the right place, the next one I actually touch is the tone knob, sometimes called the filter knob. I want to get that tone stack working in the character or the frequency that I'm looking for. It's important to note that this entire time I am turning on and off the pedal. I'm engaging and disengaging the effect. The reason why I'm doing this is because I'm trying to do my best to match what's already there and possibly change the EQ a touch. Finally, the last thing that I'm going to touch is the gain or drive knob. The point is to get the right texture for the right sound that I'm looking for. Of course, all these knobs are usually interactive, and so if you make one change, then you're probably going to have to make another change, and the whole idea is that you keep just engaging and disengaging as you make these changes. But for the most part, this method of set the volume, then set the tone, and then set the gain tend to work with most overdrive pedals. or as the words I've been using, set the level, find your frequency, and then find your texture. Now I realize that to most of you, this sounds counterintuitive. After all, it is called an overdrive pedal. It's about the gain, right? So you think the most important knob is, well, the gain, and to some extent it is. But I'll bring it back to this. You must have a good foundation in order to set yourself up for success. So use these knobs wisely. Now, always on is well and good, but if your bass tone and foundation is excellent, then you probably just want to add an overdrive to change your layer or texture in a song. Setting up a rhythm tone using an overdrive is a common way to add a thick, dynamic texture to your tone. Using the same method as before, turn all the knobs to noon, then engage and disengage as you're changing the level knob and then changing the EQ through the tone knob and then adding or subtracting gain to taste is a great way to give yourself a little bit of a different flavor, a different layer in your sound and to the song. If you are looking for a creamy tone, well, then take your volume and turn it up some, take your tone and make it a little bit darker and then take your gain level and drop that down some. This type of setting will give you that nice classic rock or blues tone. If you are looking for a real textured, hairier tone, well, then turn the tone knob brighter and then bring up that gain knob a little bit more. This type of setting is usually seen in that heavier rock and alternative sound. Now, please remember from earlier that clipping is a term used to talk about cutting off the tops of waveforms or the valleys of the waveforms, and essentially increases your signal as it goes into the circuit of the pedal. Thus, overdriving gives you that new texture. So be careful not to overdo it. 
Commonly, I see players overdoing the gain in order to make their sound bigger, dirtier, beefier. But when you do this, you also cause more clipping of your signal, which can muddy up a mix. This in turn makes your sound a garbled mess that doesn't translate well to a band setting. So as I mentioned before, if you're having a hard time cutting through the mix, it could be your gain knob. So if you are new to this concept of gain and mix in a band, until further notice, you are hereby ordered to take your gain knob and reduce it by at least 25% and see what happens. These are the doctor's orders. I'm just telling you, if you're having a rough time cutting through a mix, just reduce it by 25%. In a band setting, you won't notice that much of a difference. In your bedroom, you'll notice a huge difference, but you're also playing by yourself. Now, there is one other type of way I like to talk about for setting up an overdrive, and that is using it as a lead tone gain. Lead tones are designed to cut through a mix. Remember, the main frequencies to help a guitar cut through a mix is usually that 750 hertz to 1.5 kilohertz range. So feel free to add a little bit more tone knob. For that matter, add a good amount of volume knob, and then a little bit more gain. This will cause your guitar signal to first be driven a little bit hotter by the gain, boosting your frequencies that count thanks to the tone, and then finally amplifying that signal that then leads to the front of your amp, which this in turn causes more clipping. And finally, you have a big, compressed, soaring lead tone that tastefully cuts through the mix. With all that said, there is still one way worth mentioning on dialing in an overdrive. It's called stacking. Stacking is when you turn on an overdrive pedal in your signal and then turn another one on as well, essentially stacking the effect that they're having. A favorite of mine for a long time has been taking a tube screamer, running it into a pushed amp for a rhythm tone, and then stacking into it another Proco Rat or a full tone OCD and run it a little heavy. This would give me the mid hump of the tube screamer, but then the gain and texture of a Rat or an OCD. Another favorite has been taking any type of overdrive pedal and setting it up for a rhythm tone, then stacking it into a tube screamer to use as a boost in the signal for solos. When you think about it, stacking can be a great way to add textures and moods to your rhythm parts melodic lines, and solos. That reminds me of another fun way I use an overdrive. I used to have an overdrive in the front end of my board, like right after the guitar. That was strictly there so that I could click it on and there would be an instant burst of signal into the other drives causing an immediate feedback. And then I would use my volume pedal or my volume knob on my guitar to control the dynamics of it. To set this up, I would just keep the gain and tone portions relatively high and then add level until the effect caused feedback. The beauty of this method was that the amp didn't have to be real loud. Simply the saturation of the clip signal and the interaction with the speakers was enough. So now that you know all this about dialing in an overdrive pedal, you may find yourself saying, well, I don't like a tube screamer or I don't like an analog man king of tone or I don't like Proco Rats, or I don't like Hamstead Toneworks Odyssey, but 
I really hope that this helps you realize what you don't like about that pedal. Is it the clipping texture? Is it the EQ? Is it the placement of the EQ? Is it the job or the layer in which you were trying to use it? All of these parameters are what makes up the character, color, and texture of an overdrive pedal. When you can figure out what it is you don't like about a certain pedal, then you will now know what it is that you are looking for in the next one. Now, all of this should be enough to help you dial in your overdrive, but there's still one more factor that probably should be mentioned, which is your pickups. Before discussing this, we should review how a guitar signal flows. You strike a string, the pickup magnets take that kinetic energy, and they convert it into electrical energy. The signal goes through your guitar circuit, the switch, the pots, the caps, etc., and then it goes through the output jack along the instrument cable and into the pedals. Then from your pedals, it goes along the cable to its amplification system, out the speakers, and this is your tone. Of course, you don't need to know all that in order to dial in great tone, but I find that it's important to have a familiarity and understand where your tone comes from. Now, notice the first part of that guitar signal chain. You strike a string and the energy is transferred from the string to the pickup. So right there, at that point, the energy is transferred into the pickup. Your tone is now being shaped by something other than your fingers, technique, or actions. So what do the different pickups do? Because that is going to change how the overdrive ends up responding. Well, generally speaking, lower output pickups will hit the gain stage of the circuit with less energy and therefore will require being turned up in order for more texture. Higher output pickups will require less. Also, generally speaking, single coils will have a lower output than humbuckers. But of course, that isn't always true. I have a Telecaster that has a bridge pickup at 14K ohm for its output, but my Gibson 57 Classic bridge only has a 7.62K ohm. So that's nearly half the output of a single coil. So it really is a generality either way, but for the most part, higher output pickups will load the signal path more and give a different response in a pedal than that of a lower output pickup. I tend to find that I stack overdrives with single coils much more than I do with humbuckers unless I'm boosting a solo. Okay, it is that time again when we need to discuss what is your goal and what is your budget. Well, if you're a hobbyist, really have fun and take your time listening to the difference in the parameters of the overdrives. Set all the dials at noon, get the level right, and sweep that tone knob and find the frequency spectrum of the pedal. Then dial in that texture by moving that gain knob and find out what you really want to do. And as you do this, remember there is such a thing as too much gain. There is such a thing as too bright and too dark. Really, make the pedal something that adds to your foundation. Now, there is a lot of drive pedals out there. If your budget allows, buy a couple of different ones with a few extra features, like symmetrical or asymmetrical clipping, or maybe where the tone stack sits in the circuit, or possibly the type of clipping diode or the LED. If your budget is real limited, then check into a multi-effects pedal and get the feel of what different pedals do. I will warn you though, Many of the multi-effects pedals are not as reactive or dynamic as the real deal. 
you do get what you pay for, so make sure that you try to get something that's decent. Line 6 HXFX does a real good job, although not perfect. The Zoom G3 does an okay job, but in my opinion, it's not even close to perfect. If you are a professional, all the above mentioned is still true, and you likely already have an idea of what you like. Your main goal as a professional is to keep all of your effects and parts dynamic and musical. Don't be afraid to stack a few drive pedals and really create a layer that works in a solo. Also, don't crank that gain too high. More gain can mess up the clarity of the mix. If you are playing with another guitarist, make sure you coordinate what type of texture and frequencies are getting added in order to decrease the double guitar interference in a band. If your budget allows, have a couple of drives not on your board available for sampling or for studio work. You never know when you find yourself needing a change. I find the old staples of the Ibanez Tube Screamer, the Boss Blues Driver, the Proco Rat, the Klon Centaur have a lot of tonal possibilities. Don't be afraid to research what circuit copies and modifications are out there. Odds are, there is a version of these pedals that give you the versatility and the flexibility that you're looking for. As we bring this session to a close, remember you are responsible for your own tone. Think about the layer, the mood, the textures that you're looking to represent in a song. If you want aggression, crank the drive. If you're looking for frequency shaping, well work the tone. If you want energy, crank the volume. Understand your gear and stay musical in your layers. If you are struggling with a sound, ask for direction and input from the band. This will help you to work with the other musicians and help find the best possible sound in the music. Remember, there is such a thing as too much gain, so stay musical, stay classy, and know that you are the guitar player and you are worth hearing. Well, that concludes our session of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. My name is Dr. T, and remember, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I have fun talking gear. Until next time.